So, I don't know if you can think back to your first job. It probably wasn't your dream job. I mean, mine wasn't. I used to work at the Tesco just over there in, uh, in 2015, and I was a checkout person. I would scan products all day long and have over 100 conversations a day. And at the end of a long day, I would be peopled out. Uh, when I was working at Tesco, I'd rarely reflect on a shift and think, you know what, I enjoyed that so much, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Because each day would be relatively the same, and the only opportunity I had to come away from the till was when there was basically no one in the shop, which was rare. I was struggling to find joy in my day-to-day at that job. My saving grace was that I joined Southwest, Southwest Youth Ministries that September. So only worked there for a matter of three months. So today, I'm going to talk to you on finding joy in the day-to-day. And particularly finding joy in the day-to-day with God. I know sometimes, if you're not a fan of reading, and I'm not a fan of reading, it can be quite a discipline trying to read the Bible every day. So today, this talk will look a little bit as well at how to keep your time with God fresh and to find immense joy each day in that time. In a time in this world where there seems to be an overwhelming sense of darkness, feeling lost and depression, if you believe that God is all-powerful, then we should believe that he has the power to insert joy into any situation. So I've, got, I've just got a short little video to watch to start with, uh, which touches kind of happiness and joy. Everyone wants to be happy. It influences everything we do, what job we take, whom we marry, where we live. We all want happiness. We may seek it in different ways and in different things, but we do seek it, and we do whatever we can to have it. On the other hand, there is a great powerful, wise God. He made us, he defines what our lives are for, and one day he will judge the world, and the issue will be, did we honor him? Did we thank him? So we have to choose, right? My happiness or God's glory. That's what it felt like to me for many years. And then I made one of the greatest discoveries of my life. You might say it started when I was six years old. Even then, I knew I was a sinner. There was no way I was good enough for heaven. So when my parents showed me that Jesus Christ died for sinners, even sinners like me, I wanted him. I welcomed him. But it wasn't until my early 20s that I saw that my desire to be happy and God's desire to be glorified were not at odds. I found in the Bible that they were, in fact, one thing. When you enjoy somebody a lot, you show everyone how important they are to you. We get the joy, God gets the glory. If I stop enjoying God, I stop glorifying God. This was almost too good to be true. I had learned one of the most important things in the world. God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in Him. So, happiness or joy? What's the difference between them, and is there a difference? Happiness for some people can mean what level they get to in a company, uh, or everyone at home acting normal, 
or having the money you need to pay for bills, or even good health. These are all things that can change, and if they do, they rob you of your happiness. When we base our happiness on movable things, like how you're feeling or health, it isn't on solid foundations. Happiness or joy in God makes it a firm foundation. Your joy isn't affected by whether uh, you have the job you want, whether people are acting normal at home, or if you have the money you need, or the health you want. If you have joy in God, he's never going to change, so your joy won't. So joy and happiness aren't really equal things. Happiness is almost like a fluffy feeling inside, whereas joy is that deep contentment with everything that's happening in your life. Paul, I feel, in the Bible, is a worthy character to focus on when considering the topic of joy. The joy he has when things are going well is great, but it's how he rejoices when things aren't going well. When he's in time of trial and dark times, Paul finds joy in the day-to-day through the whole of his life as a Christian. The day after he found his faith in Christ, he had so much of Jesus' joy in him that he started to preach about Jesus in the synagogues as soon as possible. Paul knows exactly that having God with you, although you may have earthly pain and suffering, is considered gain because he's receiving this suffering because of the furthering of the kingdom of God. He gives up his limited earthly joy for the eternal joy, the joy that only God can give. Now, I don't know what suffering you may be experiencing right now, and I know it can be difficult, but be encouraged that however difficult it is, that the ultimate comfort you can find is faith in God and rejoicing in his faithfulness. Paul is someone to be encouraged by in suffering. Paul experienced so much suffering that he faced death many times. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now I feel in this passage, you can change the word glory with the word joy, and it's equally as true. So this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of joy beyond all comparison. This verse is like sandpaper on our modern sentiments about suffering. We naturally try to avoid suffering at all costs, but God brings suffering in our lives for the sake of our eternal joy. Paul helped guide Timothy through difficult situations as well in his letters to him. When Timothy is struggling with the women in his church. So many people take the scripture out of the context that it's in, but Paul here is trying to help Timothy manage that difficult situation. Paul also helps so many churches when they're struggling to find joy in God and when they're searching for that joy elsewhere. We look at Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, and I believe it's going to come up on screen. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to the shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. 
Just like the way God pours his love into us, he pours joy into us. And Paul not only lives out this scripture, he is an advocate for this passage in the way that he acts when he's in prison. In Acts 16.25, where it says, At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. This is the perfect depiction of Christian joy amidst pain and suffering. And in stark contrast to Paul, we can often lose all our joy in really painful situations. And I know I've got to a stage at points where I've been so focused on that suffering and that pain that I've lost all my joy and became a bound-up believer. So do you believe that God is happy or has joy? I hope you're not thinking or saying yes just because this is church. But I think some of us here, honestly, and again, I definitely have before, believe that God is ticked off with us. But God is joyful. In Jeremiah thirty-two forty-one, it says, I find joy in doing good for you. So if God has joy for us, isn't it worth accepting and enjoying? John Piper, who leads a church in the States, has a big emphasis on this thing called Christian hedonism. Where hedonism, the kind of the normal term for hedonism, is the pursuit of pleasure in all things. Piper would put it as the pursuit of joy in all things. And Piper says that our desires for the great things that God can offer us is too small. Our problem isn't big desires for the wrong things. It's small desires for big things. When Piper talks of this Christian hedonism, he doesn't mean that our happiness is the highest good. But he means that the pursuing the highest good, that is God, will always result in our greatest happiness. Joy being something that is given to us as a gift from God through the Holy Spirit. For it is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's not our own effort or imagination or upbringing It is important to realise that the joy you experience through God isn't your joy, it is his joy being projected through you. Once God releases his joy through you, you can't help but feel it. And once you start feeling it, it will satisfy you deeply. So the Bible again says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And this is why it's important to have God's joy flowing through you. The joy of the Lord can really give you strength needed to spend time with him. Because his joy dwells within you and you desire to be with him. And the Holy Spirit gives this to you uh, if you're open to receiving it. So I I want to ask you to reflect over the next few seconds... What is it that gives you joy? Is it anything that isn't God? Is it family? Work? Friends? Music? We all have this deep desire to be satisfied. Whether it's a person, people, a place, whatever. What will truly satisfy our hearts? 
Growing up, we may have thought it was the sweets or ice cream that our parents bought us. Or as a teenager, that mobile phone that we wanted. But it all led to discontent. Philip Holmes, who contributes to the website Desiring God, puts it in a way that I love. We were designed for more than just the trivial pursuit of pleasure. We all as humans look for joy in places that aren't God. I definitely have. And we constantly have a God-shaped hole inside us. We try and fill with all sorts of things. And more often than not, it is these things that bring us that that brief moment of joy that we try and satisfy ourselves with. But ironically, we just want more because it does not satisfy us fully. And it gets us to a point where there's no joy in that anymore. So dissatisfaction with life or life can lead to joy Uh, without joy, can lead to so many sinful and painful situations. Like cheating on your spouse, drugs, alcohol, mindless binge from food to television, scrolling endlessly on Facebook, stealing, the list continues. Our dissatisfaction in life leads to a never-ending thirst for more and more, but nothing earthly can satisfy. We get to a point where we turn to God as our last resort, and find immense joy. And I know for me, it's been a vicious cycle of that happening over and over again in my life. And for some reason, I don't learn. But God promises satisfaction. Jesus said that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. In Psalm 107 verse 9, it says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. In Psalm twenty-two twenty-six, it says, The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May our hearts live forever. And in Psalm 16, verse 11, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. For me, after getting to that immense low of dissatisfaction, I go on a full-on intentional push of devoting a good time every day to God. But after a while, it becomes samey, and half a week has passed, and you look back, or I look back, and I haven't spent time with God on those days. And it needs freshening up. But how? I've been in this position so many times, and I still ask that question, how do I freshen up my time with God? I just want to put a disclaimer out there. I'm not saying that I'm an expert on how to make the most of your time with God or finding joy from it. These are just a few tips and things that I feel God has laid on my heart. So the first thing I would suggest is finding one of your passions and incorporating it into your time with God. So if you like music, there's plenty of music out there you can listen to to draw closer to God. There's worship music. There's just Christian music. If you play an instrument, play it for the Lord. One of the most powerful things for me was the first time that I led myself in worship, just myself and God, not leading anyone else. Yeah, it was one of the most powerful moments of my life. Or art. 
there's amazing art at the back that's created as worship for God. And one thing to remember, that only spending five minutes a day with God is much better than spending none. If you're a parent and have children to look after, you may only have five minutes a day that you, you are able to spend with God. But the important thing to remember is to carve it out of your day. Don't just squeeze God in. Make it an important part of your day. If you're married, you try and make sure that you carve out some time to spend with your spouse as often as you can. And that time alone really strengthens the marriage. Just like time alone with God strengthens your relationship with him. Another thing is that asking the question, what does your time alone with God actually look like? What does it mean to you to be alone with God? Time alone with God isn't simply finding solitude and unloading all your issues to God and then waiting to hear for him to whisper back to you. Communion with Christ happens through his revealed word, through his apostles and the prophets, and by the incredible power of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through his word, and the Spirit applies it to our life. It's important to remember to not let time alone with God become a tick-off of the checklist for the day. It isn't there just to be part of a duty. Not only do we delight in being alone with God, when we have his joy released in us. But it's his delight to spend time with us, his children, not only in public, but in private. So another thing you could do is to seek God with your time. Without a doubt, it's better to have more time with God because God wants to know us. He, he is... There is no doubt that there will be seasons where we have more time to spend with God because he wants to spend that time with us. When you find yourself having loads of time, God is there to comfort you in that and we have faith that God will fill that time and make that worthwhile. Because in a few years' time, you may not have that time to spend with God. So you may look back and wonder, why didn't I make the most of that time? Perhaps the best thing for you is to freshen up your routine. It may not be your time with God that is freshening up, but maybe your daily routine that needs freshening up. God's word never dries up, but it is healthy to keep variety in your life. Maybe try reading a new part of the Bible that you haven't read that much, or start a new plan and vary those plans. Maybe you need a new plan every week or every five days. Another, another thing you could do is to read the Bible through a different medium. We're so blessed in this day and age to have a wide variety of different ways to connect with the Bible. There's the Bible app, listening to the Bible. There are really helpful videos on the different books in the Bible. The Bible Project, for example, have, a great, have great videos which help you understand different books in the Bible. For example, here's a snippet of one now. The Book of Psalms, it's a collection of 150 ancient Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers that come from all different periods in Israel's history. Many of these poems are connected with King David, 73, actually, and he was known as a poet and a harp player. 
But there are many different authors behind these poems. There's the poems of Asaf, or from the sons of Korah, and some are from other worship leaders in the temple. Even Solomon and Moses have their own poems, and nearly one-third of these are anonymous. Now, many of these poems came to be used by the choirs that sang in Israel's temple, but the book of Psalms is actually not a hymn book. At some point in the period after Israel's exile to Babylon, these ancient poems were gathered together and intentionally arranged into the book of Psalms before us. And it has a very unique design and message that you're not going to notice unless you read it from beginning to end. So these videos are so helpful for me personally because I often find it hard to read a book in the Bible and understand exactly what is happening in it. These videos give a brief background into the book and author, as you've just seen, and they then go on chapter by chapter, nearly, and explain what each chapter means. Here's another example of of that, what I've just said. Psalm 1 celebrates how blessed the person is who meditates on the Torah, prayerfully reading it day and night and then obeying it. Now, the word Torah simply means teaching, and more specifically, it came to refer to the five books of Moses that begin the Old Testament. And here, actually, the word seems to be used with both meanings in mind, which explains why it has five main parts. The book of Psalms is being offered as a new Torah that will teach God's people the lifelong practice of prayer as they strive to obey God's commands given in the first Torah. So one final thing I would suggest, and this has been so helpful for me personally, is to become a student of the Bible. This doesn't mean you have to become a doctor of theology or do, a theolo- do theology at a degree standard. But to study a deeper understanding of some of the passages of Scripture, doing a theology degree myself, This has helped me engage with scripture at a level that I'd never previously experienced. It also made me have so many of those mind-blowing experiences where things just click together and you're just like, things from Genesis click to things with, like deep in the New Testament and you're just like, who on earth knew that that worked? Like, and out of those situations and those experiences. It's just deepened my faith so much more. And I've also found so much joy in God through the studying of his scripture. It's a blessed thing to be able to do, and it's accessible at any level. So what should all this mean to us? And how should we respond? Are we seeking happiness, or are we seeking joy? And which do we want to be seeking? Is our joy from God? It's important to remember that God releases his joy through us, through the Holy Spirit. And to remember that we were created for more than just the trivial pursuit of pleasure. It is through you accepting that we all seek joy in the wrong places, accepting that seeking joy in these places will lead to dissatisfaction of life and that we need to eventually turn back to God for our sources of joy. And it's important to continue to build your relationship with God, 
We grow our earthly relationships through the amount of time we spend with the other person. So shouldn't it be the same with God? I must admit, I've not been brilliant at keeping my time with God consistent. But remember, if you're struggling in your time alone with God, that it's healthy to have that variety. But most importantly, your source of joy should be God. Seek his joy and you will be satisfied.